Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. And Chris, on our last episode, we talked about how we weren't sure if we were going to do... Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Do a Valentine's Day movie or continue rapper slash actor right back at ya. And we've we found a balance. We've we figured out a way to do both. Yeah, I, th- I think we're we're watching the the highest rated romance movie ever. Mm-hmm. I think this is the this is the timeless story, William Shakespeare's Romeo Must Die. That's right. This is the movie where Jet Li is Romeo, mm-hmm. although he's not really Romeo. He's he's Han Singh. That's his character's name, and Aaliyah is playing. Our Juliet stand-in, Trish O'Day. But we do have rapper DMX appearing in this movie. So it does count as rapper slash actor right back at you. Also, I feel like we can count it partially because of Aaliyah. Like, yeah, Aaliyah was I, mostly I don't know a if singer. I would count Aaliyah as a, a, a rapper. She, she was mostly a singer. That is true. Yeah. Although she is in the... The hip-hop slash R&B genre, I feel like. She had a lot of guest rappers doing verses on her songs. Mm-hmm. So so we're in that universe. So so we're going to count this as rapper slash actor right back at you, even though I guess there's technically not a rapper as a star. No, but it does have DMX in it. And it is it is not the only DMX Jet Li collaboration. No, it is not. We We considered watching for this series... Cradle to the Grave, which is a movie that I saw in theaters, which also would have been a good choice for this series. But instead, we're going with Romeo Must Die because we wanted to do a Valentine's Day special. And Chris, 
do, do you have a love for this movie? Do you feel uh, a romantic love for Romeo Must Die? I actually do. Uh, I may have seen this movie in theaters. I know I saw it at least when it came out on video uh, back in – when was this movie made? It's the late 90s, it's right? 2000. It came out in 2000. 2000? Yeah. Okay, so I probably caught it on DVD if I did not see it in the theater. And the I don't remember anything about it except that I remember that there is an amazing scene in it where Jet Li – plays Kung Fu football against Anthony Anderson. (laughs) That's pretty great. Now, this is, I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of this movie, but I don't think I've ever just sat down and watched it all the way through. So this is going to be, this is going to be a somewhat new experience for me. I want to note something though, under the reception section on Wikipedia, uh, apparently the critical reception to this movie was not great. It has a 33% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critical consensus is, in his second Hollywood movie, Jet Li impresses. Unfortunately, when he's not on screen, the movie slows to a crawl. Yeah, now, what was what was Jet Li's first Hollywood movie? Was it, was it Lethal Weapon 4? Was it not the one? The one came later, right? I feel like the one came later. The one came after Jet Li was established enough that a movie could feature him in two roles. Which, by the way, is another series that I want to do uh, called uh, uh, Two Guys, One Roll, where we would watch films like Double Impact, The One, Twin Dragons. Okay, the one came right after this. Uh, Kiss of the Dragon came after that. That's Jet Li versus France. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon 4 was his first U.S. movie. Yeah, no, and at the time, he was, of course, already a big, big star in uh, from his Hong Kong films. Yeah, and, and I think some of his Hong Kong films were even coming over to the U.S. Um, like, Once Upon a Time in, in China and America, Fist of Legend certainly was was a movie that I remember seeing around Black Mask came out in 1999. I remember seeing Black Mask uh, on DVD. I picked that one up from a blockbuster, which is a very 1999 thing to do. <laughs> That's, that is 100% true. If you said you did that, people would immediately have imagined that it happened in 1999. Yeah, it's... I, now, were you a, were you a Jet Li guy? I did like a lot of Jet Li movies, or, or watched a lot of them, um, but I also missed a lot of them, too. I just kind of like, if a Jet Li movie was on, or a friend of mine wanted to go see it, I'd go, but or I'd watch it, but I wouldn't like go out of my way to like go to the theater by myself and watch a Jet Li movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jet Li, I, I probably had more of an affinity for, for Jackie Chan than Jet Li. Would I would go absolutely go see a Jackie Chan movie by myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not so much gently. I saw every Jackie Chan movie it, that I could in the theater up to. I think the Tuxedo was the last one that I was like, I gotta see these. Uh, yeah, and the, the Tuxedo kind of put it into that. But I did see the one that uh, uh, he and Jet Li did together, uh, where a a. Well, I don't even remember the title of it, but it's a, a fantasy film 
where, of course, a, a, a white kid gets some mystical Chinese superpowers from Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Yeah, that's, that's a thing that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. That would be the Forbidden Kingdom, by the way. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Here's an interesting tidbit about Romeo Must Die, and it's gonna, it could color the way we watch this movie. Apparently, Jet Li and Aaliyah were supposed to have a scene in this movie where they kiss. Which expa- explains why he would be called Romeo. Mm-hmm. But according to the Washington Post, this was met with derision at a pre-screening with an er- quote-unquote urban audience. Jet Li stated on his personal website that they had filmed both versions of the scene, with the kiss and without, and decided to use the one without because it would be somewhat strange and awkward for Han to have witnessed his father's suicide and then come out and kiss someone. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so that was Jet Li's reasoning for that not happening. But I feel like the subtext of this is that people were upset in 2000 about an, an Asian actor, Jet Li, and a black actress, Aaliyah, kissing each other on mm-hmm. screen. So that's why there's less romance in this movie than there might have otherwise been. Which, which is weird, because the film is called Romeo Must Die. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And they're like on the poster together as though they're definitely going to have a romantic plot, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I'm really interested, because I forget a lot of of that part of this movie. I remember the action. I don't so much remember the romantic subplots. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that plays out as we go. I get the feeling if that, if that is the case, that we're going to have some, we're going to have some weirdly stitched together pieces of the movie. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add about Romeo must die before we start it? Well, uh, Matt, I, I guess we kind of have to talk about Aaliyah, right? Okay. What 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 information would you like to provide about Aaliyah? Well, I, I you know obviously we're here to have a good time. I don't really want to bring everybody down, but Aaliyah did kind of die tragically uh, in a plane crash, uh, not too long after this movie came out. I think um, like a year later. Yeah. Yeah. When and and it's especially it's especially tragic because she really was like on the rise in both music and in, in movies. She's also in Queen of the Damned, a vampire movie in which she is unquestionably the best part. Uh, I thought she was really fun in that. And I remember her being, I remember her being good in this. Uh, but if, if we are, if we are very charitable to Aaliyah, that is probably going to be why. But I do remember her being quite good. Yeah, I mean, I liked a lot of Aaliyah's songs. And, and I think probably what sold this movie more than anything, was the soundtrack, uh, which which had several Aaliyah songs on it. Uh, Try Again, I think, was the big hit. Mm-hmm. There's also some Timbaland songs on here, because Timbaland produced most of the music. He produced most of Aaliyah's music, t- honestly. This whole thing has a pretty good soundtrack. I feel like that, as much as anything else, you know, the Jet Li action kind of sold this movie. So, at the very least, I think we'll probably hear some good mo- some good music while we're watching it. 
you can get the uh, the edited version of the soundtrack uh, on Amazon on on compact disc for one cent right now. By the way, if if that's what you're into. Hey. Uh, also, I should note this: the director of Romeo Must Die has directed two other movie fighters movies. Oh, okay. What do we got? This is Andrzej Bart Bartkowiak. He's Polish. I probably mangled his name. I apologize. He directed Doom Oof. and Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Oof. Oof. Those are those are two rough ones. Also, the director of Exit Wounds. That's the DMX Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> and the other movie we considered watching for the series that has Jet Li and DMX in it: Cradle to the Grave. <laughs> I feel like we might have to watch Cradle of the Grave eventually. We, if we do a second rapper slash actor right back at you, we'll definitely, that will be number one with a bullet. Well, we could call that one rapper slash actor to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break here in a minute, and we're going to watch Romeo Must Die. But before we do that, we have to do the most popular segment in podcasting. Snack Situation, and guess what, everybody? Here's our brand new Snack Situation theme song. You love to fight with something to eat. Sometimes it's savory, sometimes it's sweet. Snack Situation. Watch us snack it on. Chris, is that theme song great or what? That theme song's amazing. You you sent that to me with just exclamation points a couple days ago, and it is fantastic. It gets me pumped to eat snacks. Yes, uh, Matt Fisher. Formerly a host of the Life Leave Me Alone comics podcast. Love that guy. Uh, Love just, that guy. He texted me one night uh, a couple weeks ago and said, I have some extra studio time. I'm going to do a theme song for Snack Situation. Just give me a genre. And I just texted him back. I was like, punk. Punk it up. And that's what he sent me back. And it's amazing. It is, it is genuinely great. All right, Chris, what are you snacking on? It is Girl Scout cookie season. That is true. And there are some Girl Scout cookies in the apartment right now. But apparently, when Aiden asked me what kind of Girl Scout cookies I I like, I did not respond in a timely enough manner. So we did not get the kind I like. Now, what what is your Girl Scout cookie of choice? My Girl Scout cookie of choice is the peanut butter sandwich. That is my fave. Okay. I like the peanut butter sandwich. I like thanks a lots, uh, which are the shortbread with chocolate. Those those are my those are my two two top notch Girl Scout cookie faves. Uh, but I also like I like the peanut butter patties. I like the uh, the Samoas, uh, aka caramel delights. I like those a lot. I do not like the plain shortbread ones that much, but 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 those are the four I would go with. So instead. Uh, I have, and I think in order to make it up to me that I did not get the Girl Scout cookies I want yet, uh, Aiden has made a, a tray of homemade meringues. Ooh, that sounds that sounds delicious. That's right. So I got some egg whites, sugar, chocolate chips inside these. They are delicious. They're chewy. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. I have an entire tray of those that I am looking to get through as we watch uh, Jet Li uh, kick his way into American audience fame. Uh, Matt, what are you snacking on? All right, since we brought up the topic of Girl Scout cookies, mm-hmm. uh, I have four boxes of Girl Scout cookies in the house myself. 
Um, I have two boxes of Thin Mints. That's Marlene's top choice of Girl Scout cookies. I'm not a minty guy, though. So it's yeah, not, I don't like, I don't like mint and chocolate together. That's not my thing. Everything that's mint just reminds me of toothpaste. So Bingo! I, exactly. I, I can't do that. Uh, but we do have my two favorite Girl Scout cookies, which are Samoas, which you mentioned. And, if, as if this is any surprise at all, the regular trefoil shortbread cookies, mm. which I think are utterly delicious. Yeah. Uh, I've got a box of trefoil sitting next to me right now, but they are not my snack for this movie. My snack for this movie. Now, we were celebrating Valentine's Day. Yes. But there is another occasion that is happening this weekend as we're celebrating this, or as we're recording this, uh, that I must commemorate on the show. So I have a slice of uh, marble birthday cake in front of me because it is my wife Marlene's birthday. On February eighth. Oh. So well, last happy night, birthday, Marlene. Last night we had a little birthday party, and uh, I bought a cake, and we still have cake left over. So I have um, the bottom of the Y and the word day cut out of a piece of of marble birthday cake sitting in front of me. So that is what I'm going to be snacking on. Uh, everybody, you grab your snacks. Join along with us to watch Romeo Must Die. You can rent it on Amazon or any of the other streaming movie rental sites that you can uh, that you can use online. I don't believe it is streaming for free anywhere, but you can certainly rent it if you want to watch along with us. If you don't have a DVD copy, we're going to pause right now. We're going to go to a break. Then after that break, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about Romeo Must Die. We are back from watching Romeo Must Die, and before we get into anything else, let's say this. The whole thing about whether or not Jet Li and Aaliyah kiss at the end of the movie, I don't actually know if it's a racial thing now, because it would be super weird for them to kiss after that that final scene. Yeah, like, it's a super weird ending, and I could, like, if they kissed at the end of that, that scene, I feel like I would be like, like, yo, that is, that is weird. Because not only has Jet Li encouraged his father to kill himself, kinda, and then his father has committed suicide, also, he's, like, mega messed up. Like, yeah. we, we were talking about how he needs to ask Aaliyah to take him to a hospital to see if possibly he could save his intensely burned hands. Yeah, like, to, just to see if they don't need to amputate at that point. <laughs> yeah, because... Like, he, Jet Li will never have full use of his hands again. No, because in the fight scene that he has before that, he... Uh, the, the What's the guy's name? The guy who looks like Johnny Gat? <laughs> I did not catch his Kai? actual name. Is it Kai? Maybe. Sure. Why not? Johnny Gap. He throws... A brazier. A brazier full of, like, coals 
at Jet Li, and it, he's like holding it in his hands for a while, and then you see like his hands are just like terribly burned. Yeah, and then he continues to use those hands to beat his old friend to death, and then go in and give his father a gun so his father can kill himself. Spoiler warning for the end of the movie that we're discussing. So like him coming out and then kissing Aaliyah after that would in fact be super messed up. But okay, so I think this is indicative though. Of my major problem with the movie. This is a movie called Romeo Must Die. It's ostensibly supposed to be an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Even I, don't though, even think it's, I don't even think it's supposed to be that far. I think it's just like, oh, there's two crime families. And the, the son of one crime family is going to kind of hook up with the daughter from another. That's as far as that goes. Yeah, that's pretty much the extent of it, but it's promoted it's at least promoted as a romance, right? It's supposed to be the son and the daughter getting together. But there are at least three plots, three other plots that supersede the romance angle. Because there's a plot about the Aaliyah's dad, who's played by Delroy Lindo. Trying Grant, to as always. Oh, he's amazing. Like he's a great actor all the time. But his whole deal is he's trying to become a completely legitimate businessman and become the owner of Oakland's new NFL team because the Raiders have left again. So Oakland's going to try to get a new NFL team, build a stadium, like out on the water in the bay. Which is weird already. No, it's a waterfront stadium. They need the property on the waterfront. Based on like the mock-ups and stuff that they had, it looked like they were going to build it out in the bay somewhere. Matt, can I be real with the audience for a second? Can I get up on the mic? Yes. You didn't even know they were going to build a stadium until like 20 minutes before the end of the movie. Well, no. it was. I knew they were going to build a stadium. <laughs> I, di- I did know they were going to build a stadium. What I didn't put together was that that was Delroy Lindo's business plan, like that they connected. Cause okay. there was a, there was a part in a barbershop way earlier where there was like a report on the radio about building a new stadium and getting a new team in Oakland. I got that part. Uh huh. It just like somehow I missed a line of dialogue or something where it was like Delroy Lindo was trying to like, that was going to be his legitimate business that he kept talking about. Hmm. Anyway, it it there was a lot of stuff about them trying to get Bayfront property in order so that they could build the stadium. And Delroy Lindo's criminal organization owned half the property. And then Jet Li's dad's organization owned half the property. Right. So that's a plot that takes up a lot of time. There's a lot of stuff with meetings between Delroy Lindo and I guess the guy whose company is going to build the stadium. Again, in all honesty, I have no idea who that guy was. Or he's he's like in charge of of the team cuz he's he's trying to negotiate with this guy about becoming an owner of the team. Yeah, but he's like he's buying the property from the two families. 
Yeah. So I guess I guess is he? The, I, I think he's the team owner, and he's also going to own the stadium. But he's got partners, and Delroy Lindo wants to be one of his partners. Right. Delroy Lindo at the end of the movie wants to go fully legit and and just be an NFL team owner. So that's first of all, it's very confusing because there's a lot of like scenes where Delroy Lindo is out playing golf with this guy, who by the way looks like he's nineteen. He looks super young. And and he looks you know what he looks like? He looks like Christian Bale in Shaft. But younger. But but a little bit younger. Yeah. Like Christian Bale in the beginning of Shaft. That's yeah, what he it's, looks like. It's that same kind of character where he's like an entitled rich white guy who looks down on all the 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 black and Asian businessmen that he has to work with. Okay. I feel like we're already confusing people. So let's let let's Let's streamline this a little bit, okay? The NFL is putting their next expansion team in Oakland. There's going to be a new stadium built, and everybody wants a piece of this stadium. The Delroy Lindo's crime family, Jet Li's father's crime family, and young Christian Bale from Shaft. (laughs) Yeah. So So that's the background of the movie. That plot takes up so much of the movie. There's another plot that takes up a huge chunk of the movie. That you might call concurrent murder mysteries. Because the very first thing that happens in the movie is Jet Li's brother, whose name is Poe, goes to DMX's casino. And Is it a casino? It's, it is described as a casino. Uh, I guess. But it's like a club. It's like a dance club. It's a club. It's, like, it's, a, it's like a dance club where people are very apathetically dancing. Yeah, everybody looks so tired in there. But it's also a casino, because that's what it is called. It's called Silk's Casino. Okay. So Poe is in this club. He's got some girls there, including Battlestar Galactica's Grace Park, getting one of the great roles for Asian actresses in Hollywood. Uh... They're just, like, in there dancing, hanging out. And I guess Poe is there to meet somebody. And I will I believe, say. I will say. It's revealed, to, I believe, that he's he's supposed to be meeting Kai there. To this movie's credit. Okay. No, I, I, I had some fond memories of this movie when we started. And there are still, like, maybe two scenes that I think that I think are pretty fun. But overall, this movie's bad. Like, we can just go ahead and rank it right now. This movie is bad. Yeah. But to its credit, this movie came out in 2000, when HBO was still a thing. And when, if you wanted to see some nudity, you had to stay up till 2 a.m. and wait for something to come on that promised adult situations. And this movie gets its brief nudity out of the way very quickly up front. Yeah, within a, within a couple minutes of starting. Like, Kai has not arrived to meet Poe yet, and DMX and his people show up and are like, what are you doing here? I don't like Asians. Yeah, DMX straight up says he doesn't like Asian people. There's no reason this Asian guy and his friends should be in this club. And they essentially kick them out. They make them leave. <laughs> that night, Poe shows up dead. Not at Silk's Club, not at the casino, but he's like in a, a neighborhood. I think he's in 
Aaliyah's neighborhood, right? And he has been hanged. So Is he's that dead. Aaliyah's neighborhood? I think it's just like like it's just a place. Okay, I don't know if it's a place of any significance at all, but uh, he's been hanged and he's dead. So uh, there's a big chunk of the movie trying to f- where Jet Li is trying to figure out who killed Poe. Like that is why he returns to or shows up in Oakland to investigate this because he has been in a prison in Hong Kong uh, where he has taken the fall for his dad and his brother. Jet Li was a police officer. This is all explained in one scene of exposition. Mm-hmm. Jet Li was a police officer. His brother and his dad were criminals. They were going to go to jail and get the death penalty. So Jet Li took the fall for them and went to jail instead while his dad and his brother left for America and set it up yeah. set up a crime organization there. When Jet Li finds out that his brother has been killed, he breaks out of prison in a crazy prison breakout sequence. This is one of two scenes in this movie that I would say, like, go to YouTube and just type, Romeo must die, prison breakout. Yes. Because this prison breakout is bananas. Because here's how it goes. I think, I think first we're going to frame by frame it. First of all, let's describe the prison. Because oh, it is... Okay, it's like a dungeon from <laughs> yes. a fantasy role-playing game. Like, Hong Kong is not... In the Dark Ages, Hong Kong is an incredibly technologically advanced modern city city that I'm sure has very advanced modern prisons with camera systems and, like, computerized doors. People probably have radios. Exactly. And in this movie— Even in 2000, they probably had, like, cameras. at At the very least. And in this movie, they don't have radios. It's like a fucking dungeon where they use, like, old style iron keys to open doors and you've got guards taking prisoners for getting into a fight in the cafeteria they take prisoners into these dank concrete rooms hang them up by one foot and then try to beat them this this shit is like where the inquisitor from dragon age would put her political enemies (laughs) and like and i have you know it is not the part where they have, like, you know, a shitty room where they go put somebody and beat them that I think we're hung up on. It's that there do not seem to be cameras or radios. Yeah. At all. To pre- they're, they're, the only method they have of preventing an escape is when somebody hits the alarm button, they close the front door. Yes. So here's how Jet Li gets out. He, he starts a fight in the, the lunchroom, the cafeteria. He gets sent to this torture room, hung up by one leg. But because he's Jet Li, he beats up all the guards in the room by while hanging from one leg. And we get the first while hanging use... upside down from one leg with manacles on. Yes, and we get the first uh, look at a technique that is used several times throughout the movie, where Jet Li will hit somebody. And then the camera will, like, go into x-ray vision in that person's body and show, like, the immense amount of damage that he's doing to their bones. Just Mortal Kombat X got a lot of ideas from Romeo Must Die, okay? Well, I mean, in, in, all, in all honesty, that was stolen from Sonny Chiba's The Street Fighter. Yeah. I, well, everybody steals everything, right? Yeah. 
So, but I feel like that's you know, I, I kind of want to save this for later. But since since we're bringing it up now, they clearly have no idea in this movie what to do with Jet Li. Like it makes sense that uh, you know he. I mean, he was in Lethal Weapon Four, but he's kind of barely in Lethal Weapon Four. You know, he doesn't really have a role. I don't think he speaks in Lethal Weapon Four. He just fights, and so they. They don't know what to do with him in his first American movie. And rather than looking at, like, these huge, huge hits that he'd been in in China and and these huge, huge martial arts movie hits, it's very clear what they're trying to base this movie on in terms of, of what they think American audiences will like. And they are wrong at every step of the way. This fight scene is pretty cool. But yeah, like it's it's very it's very the Street Fighter at this point. We'll we'll get to the other like the less good gently action sequences later. But while we're describing the Prince of Breakout, after he beats up all the guards in the room, he takes a guard uniform. He gets some keys, he opens the door, he knocks out the guard who is standing in front of the door, and he goes walking down the corridor. He goes outside, he starts talking to a guard who's outside. And he starts talking to this guard who's, I mean, outside the prison. Yeah, like, outside. Yeah. He's talking to this guard, and he's talking about how he's got this great tip for a bet at the track. And so he's got to get down to the track and place a bet. Yeah, because first of all, there's a prison guard just leaving his shift in the middle of the day. And when a guy tries to stop him, he's just like, oh, I got a, I got a hot tip on the races. Yeah. It's like, uh... <laughs> and then when, when the alarm goes off, because a guy discovers all the beaten up dudes, and rather than going, hey, Jet Li is missing, he just hits the alarm, and that's the end of that. There's no communication. Uh, like, the guy just says, okay, well, you better hurry up and leave before we lock these gates. Guard who's just bailing on his shift right now. And he tries to give him money to place a bet for himself. Yeah. Because he's a compulsive gambler. Like, Jet Li is banking on the idea that all prison guards are compulsive gamblers. Well, I think I, I think he... I, I don't actually hate that, because he says, oh, I'm leaving because I got a hot tip on a race. And he, like, thinking the guy's going to go, oh, okay, well, go, scurry on your way then. Instead of going, oh, well, tell me about it. Like, he, he picks yeah. the one guard who would respond to that by keeping him there longer. But then... The whole, the like the whole setup of the prison escape, the fight scene is amazing, and then the the everything else about it is like, yeah, he is escaping from a a dungeon. <laughs> there might be a gelatinous cube in there. Okay, so Jet Li is trying to solve a murder mystery. Aaliyah is also trying to solve a murder mystery because there are a ton of scenes throughout the first like. First of all, Aaliyah doesn't show up until, what, 20 minutes into the movie? Yeah, 19 minutes in. And we should say, this movie is two fucking hours long. It's so long. Like, it, it gets so bogged down in these plots that it doesn't need. So Aaliyah has this thing where, like, she's kind of not involved in her family business. She owns her own clothing store, which is called Serpentine Fire, which is a pretty rad name for a clothing store. Pretty good. But it's it's a clothing store slash dance club, 
It's like, a clothing store, but there's like a dance floor in it, and there's also a DJ, and also a bunch of kids hang out there. Yeah. So the thing I wrote down to describe it is, uh, it's a it's a boutique slash dance club slash youth center. <laughs> Pretty much. So but there's live music at this place and line dancing. She tries to stay out of her family, you know, her dad Delroy Lindo's business, but her brother. Colin is very invested in it. And Aaliyah's name is Trish. Yeah. So Colin comes by to try to talk to her about like the business and stuff and and get her more involved in it. And she's like, no, I'm still not interested, still not interested. So Colin is going to try to go make a play to be more valuable to his dad. So he like tries to himself try to get some more deeds to the land of, along the waterfront. He's, he's going to try to do some things for himself. But in doing so, he kind of doesn't consult with his dad like he should. And he ends up doing more harm than good, even though he's trying to help. Yeah. He gets killed by getting thrown out of a window into the yeah. bay. But Matt, you say that, and you say that that's kind of her... Like, she's trying to solve that that murder mystery. But that murder doesn't happen until over an hour into the movie? Yeah. There's a lot of, like, buildup of the brother character of Colin just for him to get unceremoniously killed. Yeah, because the, the thing I wrote down is that every scene in this movie feels like it could be the opening scene of this movie. Because there's so much setting up and setting up and setting up. And I gotta be honest with you, Matt. I have no idea why Jet Li's brother was killed. That was not clear at all. The implication seems to be that in both I know cases... Who killed him. Well, okay. That in both cases, both of those sons were getting in the way of plans to sell off the the riverfront property to acquire deeds to properties to then sell them off to the Christian Bale looking guy for the football stadium. And the big twist at the end of the movie is that both of them were killed by their own families. Right. Kai actually killed Poe as a way to get him out of the way and and make business easier. On the other side the character who is the equivalent of Kai in Delroy Lindo's family, his name is Mac, who reveals his name to be Machiavelli. I don't know if that's his actual name. Or if that's or just if that the name of his business. For Tupac before Tupac died. Well, he says, uh, he says something like, Isaac O'Day development is out. Machiavellian properties is in. And it's just yeah, his like name, his name is Mac. I don't know if I don't I don't know if his full name is Machiavelli, or if if, if he's just elaborating well, on even his if he, given name. Even if that's just the name of his company, I mean, we have no reason to believe that that is not his actual name. You are correct on that. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> but we find out that Mac was the one that actually killed Colin. The difference is. In the case of the Singh family, of Jet Li's family, the the dad was in on it. 
the the like head of the family actually knew what Kai was doing. Delroy Lindo had no idea. Right. Because Mac tries to betray him at the very end of the movie. Right. And so Aaliyah has to kill Mac. And at this point in the movie, Mac is wearing, I called it Morpheus cosplay. Because he's got like sunglasses on and like a leather full body outfit. It is a leather suit. You just, uh, you compared it to Eddie Murphy's outfit from from Raw. Yeah, Eddie Murphy Raw. It's it's I mean it's more restrained than that. It's like an earth tone. It's not it's red. Not, it's black. It's not red or purple like you wore in Delirious. But it is it is certainly <laughs> like it is I saw it, I was like, what is happening? There's uh, you made that observation because earlier in the movie there's a part where Mac calls says something to Anthony Anderson's character about Eddie Murphy. He basically yeah, he says, he says if I wanted to see or uh Anthony Anderson's character makes a joke and uh Mac just like backhands him in the face and goes, If I wanted to see Eddie Murphy, I'd go to the movies. And we looked it up. Uh in two thousand he would have been going to see uh the Nutty Professor two The Clumps. Uh, if you wanted to, if you wanted a big laugh from Eddie yeah. Murphy, uh, which I saw in the theater, my dad was a huge uh, Eddie Murphy Nutty Professor fan. Filming if this was filming in 1999, he could have gone to see Bowfinger, which yeah. is uh, one of our favorites. Great, great movie. Anyway, great film. so so those two plots are already kind of erasing the or or making it harder to get to the romance plot. And then there's a ton of other stuff happening, too. There's Anthony Anderson trying to protect Aaliyah. Yeah, because the first thing that happens, right, is, is Jet Li's brother gets killed. Poe gets killed. Yeah. And uh, Jet Li's father, they say that they're at war, and that's why DMX just kind of randomly hates Chinese people in his club. But they're not at war, though. They are working together. Like, the, in the first five, ten minutes of this movie, there are a lot of mentions of, like, yeah, we're at war right now. We're at war. And so you think, like, oh, there's a gang war between these two families. But there's not. Like, Delroy Lindo meets with Jet Li's father, and they, they're like, yeah, you know, we're still working together on that Riverfront project, right? Like, they are not – there is not a problem between the heads of those two families. They seem perfectly willing to amicably split – the properties that they're buying up. Yeah, and there's even stuff like at the end of the movie when the the head of the Singh family shows up and does his business with the the guy, the team owner guy, gets paid for his properties and leaves. And he runs into Delroy Lindo at the door, and they kind of stand in the door, and it's a tense meeting, I guess, but they kind of like politely say to each other oh, well, you gave me condolences for my son, and now it's time for me to give you condolences for yours. It's all really just a misunderstanding, right? Because the Chinese gang thinks that Delroy Lindo's gang, the black gang, killed Poe, and Delroy Lindo's gang thinks that the Chinese gang killed Colin. But the first thing that Del Rolindo does is he gives Jet Li's father a bouquet of flowers and says, hey, I will look into this. No one on – no one 
in my organization is stupid enough to have gone after your family. Uh, but, you know, if it was like, he pretty much tells him if it was anybody in my family, I will hand them over to you. Yeah. So the, these are not families that are warring. They, they certainly don't seem like it. If the they Sings, seem like they are. If the Sings are at war with anybody, it's the other Chinese families. Yeah. That's another subplot that's happening in this thing. That's there's a, true. There's a whole thing where the, the, the Sings are trying to do business with like four or five other Chinese families. There's a scene with a meeting between the head of the Sing family, and I don't remember his first name, Chu. His name is Chu. Where Chu Sing is meeting with a group of other heads of families, and he's trying to be very aggressive. And the other heads of the families are like, I don't know. This seems a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. Then later in the movie, he locks them all in a freezer? Yeah, like he has them butchered. Yeah. Like made into meat. <laughs> so since someone's going at like since someone killed Jet Li's brother, you know, the son of this crime boss, Del Orlando is like, oh shit, if it wasn't one of my guys, then somebody from outside these two organizations is going after the families. I better protect Aaliyah. I better protect Trish. And so he assigns Anthony Anderson to be in charge of protecting Trish, which I don't like. Like, look, Anthony Anderson is playing the, you know, the same role he played for 15 years in this film. Uh, He's like a complete fuck up. Like, why would you put that guy in charge of your daughter's safety? Like, almost the second that he's put in charge of Aaliyah's safety, she gets away from him. And the meet-cute between Aaliyah and Jet Li... Jet Li has tried to hire a taxi. The taxi driver has said that he's off-duty, repeatedly. And Mm -hmm. Jet Li has continued to try to hire him. And finally, the guy just has to be like, look, I'm off-duty. I can't take you. So Jet Li, like, strolls over and just gets in the cab and is about to steal the cab. When Aaliyah gets in the back seat and says, hey, take me somewhere. And then she looks at the license on the back of the seat to see who the cab driver is. The name on the back of the seat is what's the name again? Akbar. Akbar. So she's calling Jet Li Akbar for a good half hour after that. Um, Which, to be fair, is is no less a ridiculous name than Jet. <laughs> fair enough. Um, Which is, like you said, that's the meat cute. But then they very clearly realized. Uh, like, oh, but wait, like, how are they going to meet up again? Like, because she's not going to be like, oh, yeah, my dad is a crime boss. And he's not going to be like, oh, my dad's a crime boss. Oh, my God, we should get dinner. Like, that isn't going to happen. So we just get them doing, like, a weird little meet cute. So they very clearly went back and wrote the scene where uh, Colin, who is uh, Trisha's brother, occasionally does business occasionally does crime business from the office of her uh, boutique slash dance club slash newsletter. Like, that is so clearly tacked on in a a second or third or fifth draft. Yeah, because Jet Li goes to his brother's office, or I guess his apartment, right, where he finds a, a memory basketball. Yeah, and there's, and there's this thing about how they were like, were they... <laughs> Why were they swimming to Hong Kong with a basketball? I don't know. 
Like, for a movie that's two hours long, there's so many things in this that just don't connect and don't make sense. Like, I needed more about them being in, apparently, the South China Sea, trying to swim to Hong Kong with a basketball. And he's like, you know, he's like, don't worry, we'll make it. But, like, I don't know, did they get shipwrecked? Like, were they, like, just playing and the tide took them out? Like, I don't know what the significance of that scene is, but, like, for three, like, two or three scenes, Jet Li is carrying around this memory basketball. Why did they have a basketball? Basketball's very popular. I guess. I maybe feel like, maybe I, they I were like, on, maybe they were on a basketball cruise. I feel like, honest to God, that seems like it is left over from an earlier draft of this movie, where instead of being a Chinese gang... They were like a Cuban gang, and they were like refugees who made it to Florida. Like, that is what that scene feels like, because it makes no sense. Yeah, at first, when they were like floating in the water, clutching the basketball, I was like, did they come to America? Did they cross the Pacific Ocean on a basketball? (laughs) He goes to that apartment, and he picks up the phone and hits the redial button. And he calls Serpentine Fire. So he ends up showing back up at the clothing store slash dance club slash youth center and meets Aaliyah there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother, the last number my brother called was here. And I want to know why. And so we find out that Colin and Poe were calling each other and working together. Yeah, but we never really know what they were working on. Like, I, I don't even know if they were working together. Because Colin never met with Poe. Like, he was going to, and, and he was kind of going to go behind his father's back, but not in a way where he was, like, trying to, like, like... He's not trying to fuck his dad over. He's trying to prove himself to be an asset to yeah, the yeah. business. They're both trying to help their families. They're just not yeah. in the loop. They're not in the loop at what their father's right-hand men are doing. Which is betraying the family. Which is... Well, not in the not in the Singh's case. Definitely in in the Delroy Lindo case. Yeah, but not in the Singh's case because the dad's in, the in on it case, on that side. Je, in, in the Singh's case, Chu is betraying the other China. I don't know. I don't know. But here's the problem: we're getting bogged down in all of this. Jet Li and Aaliyah have a total of maybe six scenes together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Six or seven. They never really get to form any kind of chemistry. So another thing about like when they're walking away at the end and they don't kiss, they just kind of hug for a second, and then they walk around with their arms around each other's shoulders like like they're buds more (laughs) than romantically interested in each other. Right. It kind of makes sense because they haven't really had time to form a romantic relationship. They kind of flirt with each other a little. They somehow figure out, like, somehow Aaliyah figures out where Poe's old apartment is, and Jet Li figures out where the old house that they use, they're like a safe house is, where Aaliyah's childhood room is, because he just shows up there at one point when they're hiding out there from whatever threat yeah, is. Yeah, you about lost your shit when that scene happened. Because how does he know where that is? How does he know? How does he know where they are? Like, focus. 
the movie is so unfocused. Like I wanted so much more of of Jet Li and Aaliyah having a relationship. Yeah, because it never it never happens. They're just kind of flirty and and not even really working together. They're kind of working together. Like the when they start working together, she takes him to DMX's club, and then she, you know he is immediately knocked out and she is kidnapped. Like they yeah, they work together for a total of maybe three hours. They're separated immediately. Yeah. The only so we, thing the only things that they really get to do together. They share an ice cream cone, but that gets interrupted by a football game. Right. The Kung Fu football game that I talked about, which doesn't quite hold up because it's weirdly wire worked, but it's still pretty great. It's 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 one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It also is a scene that implies that Anthony Anderson could knock down gently. <laughs> um, so that that gets interrupted by a football game. There's a car chase that they both get involved with. Right. Um, where they're in the same car, which... Why on earth, if you're hiring Jet Li for a movie, are you like, well, we got Jet Li. The thing we really got to do is get him behind the wheel of a car. Because they they clearly have no idea what to do with him. Yeah. And, and that's something that I want to talk about here. Because we've basically gone through the plot of the movie, right? Well, like, eventually... Like, let, me, let me just describe what happens between him and Aaliyah. Okay. Like, after the car chase is over, because they're, they're being chased by two people on motorcycles... They end up stopping, the motorcycles stop, Jet Li takes a helmet off of one of the motorcycle drivers, and it's it's revealed to be someone who is Chinese. Mm-hmm. And he is surprised by this, because he thinks that they're being chased by someone from Delroy Lindo's gang. And so he's surprised by her being Chinese. He also feels like he can't fight her, because she's a woman. So he gets Aaliyah out of the car and moves her arms and legs for her, so that she is technically fighting the woman, but he's moving her to do the right moves. Yeah. Which is not a bad... Like, it's clever. It's maybe a little too clever for its own good, but it's a clever little fight sequence. Yeah, I, th- I think a little too clever for its own good sums up that fight scene. But it is fun. Like, it just doesn't fit... This movie wants to be a super gritty crime movie, right? Like, we see dudes getting butchered at one point. I mean, we don't see it, but they're certainly hanging in a meat locker. Yeah, it's heavily implied. And then there's a there's a fight scene where Jet Li has Aaliyah by the wrists, making her punch a, a female assassin. And even that scene ends with the female assassin getting impaled by rebar. Yeah, that's another X, X-ray shot thing. Yeah. So... So they discover, like, that's kind of how the the pieces start falling into place. Uh, Mac betrays Delroy Lindo, and Delroy Lindo turns down the $38 million because he wants to be an owner of the new Oakland football team. Uh, young Christian Bale doesn't get away with the deeds, I guess. I guess those deeds are just off in the wind somewhere. They didn't make copies of them. Yeah, they have all the originals notarized and sealed, and then they just, like, get, like, the the whole thing just opens up and, and floats away. And then Jet Li goes to, like, Delroy Lindo gets shot. Does he live? It's it's not really clear. They're going to call an ambulance. I think it's implied that he lives, I guess. But, like, also, because those deeds are lost, does that mean that Oakland's not going to have that stadium and thus not a football team? 
Yeah, Jet Li fucks up the economy of Oakland, California in this, in this movie. And then Jet Li goes to confront his father, and he, he fights his childhood best friend, Kai, uh, who earlier, they have like a little fight, and it could not be flirtier. It's like a sparring match. It's like a sparring match, but they're like all like kind of winking at each other and giving each other smiles, and part of the, part of the fight scene is that they're handing each other a bottle of water back and forth. It's very it's romantic. Super it's, flirty. It's so it's way more romantic than anything that happens between Jet Li and Aaliyah. Yeah, it's it's the fucking Daredevil Electra fight scene at the playground. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the the last use of that X-ray shot is when Jet Li kicks Kai in the head and breaks his entire spine. Which is great. Which is great. But yeah, like over the course of that fight, Jet Li's hand gets fucked. But even that fight, like, every fight that he has can't just be a kung fu fight. It has to have a prop. Like, there's a fight in a warehouse where he's using a hose to to beat guys up and knock guns away and do stuff like that. In the last fight with Kai, because his hands get messed up, he has to, like, tie some cloth around his hands to protect them. And and so he's fighting with, like, some cloth in between his hands for the rest of that fight. Um, what, are some, what are some of the other gimmicks in the fights, Chris? Uh, well, we have the football fight. Yeah. Which is the big one. Oh, which is... uh, so, so there's a fight uh, at, a, at Aaliyah's apartment, because there's one part where he goes to Aaliyah's apartment to ask her about the phone number. Anthony Anderson and his guys show up and try to fight him. Because Aaliyah tries to lie and say that he's a delivery guy, but there's no food, which Anthony Anderson immediately notices. Susses that one out quick. Yeah. Uh, So they realize that he should not be there. So they try to fight him, and he ends up beating all those guys up. And there's one kind of gaggy thing where he pulls a guy's pants down, and the guy's wearing, like, you know, bikini underwear. And then he like he's got zip ties in his belt, and he's just tying everybody's hands together. Yeah, those zip ties. Because the first thing he does when he gets to America is go to a uh, go to a hardware store, and he basically buys the abduction kit. He buys like zip ties, <laughs> a Leatherman tool, pl- a plastic bag. Yeah, it's bonkers. The best part about that fight scene, though, is that Anthony Anderson comes at him with a, a giant gun, like a Desert Eagle or something, and Jet Li just punches him out and takes it. And then, very awkwardly, like like if you turn a gun on its side, you know how it looks kind of like a hatchet? Like if you're holding it by the barrel and the handle would be like the blade of a hatchet? Like he puts it on his shoulder as though he's carrying a hatchet, and it's just super awkward it's like it's like he didn't want to hold it that way but that's how he ended up and he was like don't cut i'm rolling with it (laughs) then he takes the bullets out of the gun keeps the bullets and throws the gun in a dumpster and that is a power move it is a power move all right have we is there anything we have left to cover like plot wise no that's that's it i really want to get into like there's a couple of I guess we need to make the point about all the fight scenes. Yeah, we so, we observed that they're basically Jackie Chan fights. Yeah, this movie came out two years after Rush Hour, which is a huge, huge hit uh, for for Jackie Chan for American audiences. 
Uh, and this movie very clearly wants to be a serious Rush Hour, right? Because Rush Hour was a movie that had, you know, the the black protagonist and the Chinese protagonist. And it was a big, you know, a big hit. Everybody loved it. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, this movie wants to kind of recapture that, that formula, but do it in a serious, gritty way. And they have no idea how to do that. Well, they have but- no idea how to write fights for Jet Li or choreograph fights for Jet Li. Yeah, they all end up being really kind of goofy, which is They're really strange all... because Corey Ewan did the fight choreography in this movie. Yeah, who's who's usually pretty good. Yeah. And and to be honest, the fights aren't bad. They're just not they're they're Jackie Chan fights. Like and, the And I don't think they're shot that well, to be honest. They're not. They're not. But like in terms of choreography, they're fine. They're perfectly acceptable fight scenes. But there's one where when he you know I guess Anthony Anderson finally uh, finally gets his, but Jet Li's fighting all these guys in a warehouse and they're all armed and so he grabs a fire hose and starts like spraying them down with a fire hose to knock the guns out of their hands and then someone cuts the fire hose with an axe, so Jet Li has this you know fifteen foot length of fire hose with a big metal nozzle on the end. And he's like swinging it around, doing all kinds of cool moves and beating people up with it. But that's that's a very Jackie Chan fight scene, right? Like, you know, weird improv. Like he's spinning around a toolbox to dodge gunfire. It's very much what they thought audiences would want because audiences in the late 90s already liked Jackie Chan. The football scene is one of those. The scene with the, the female assassin is one of those. Everything except his final fight with Kai, which, you know, is that ludicrously brutal fight where he gets his hands burned off and then breaks every bone in Kai's spine, just feels like something Jackie Chan would do. Like, I have to believe it's because they had no idea what to do with Jet Li. Since I think we've pretty much covered everything, let's move into high points of Romeo Must Die. I think my number one high point is that football scene. The football fight is it like for as goofy and silly as it is. And as much as it, if you're familiar with Jet Li's work, as much as it kind of sticks out as not his thing, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. It's, it's the only time where like you get a sense of the characters having like a real disdain for one another. It's it's them kind of playfully trying to do some one-upsmanship stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, Jet Li, once he's kind of got the better of the rest of the players, tosses a football back to, uh, to Mac and says, American football! Hey, brother! <laughs> American football! <laughs> and that I loved. Yeah. That I, th- I think is, is certainly the best of them, but but honestly, like if you just go on YouTube and watch the th- you know the three big fight scenes in this movie, I guess there are four big fight scenes in this movie, but like the prison fight, the football fight, and the the fire hose nozzle fight are all worth seeing. They're pretty good, and the the fight with Aaliyah and the the female assassin is fun. the The last fight, not so much because it's very like you know. Very dour, but those three fights, I think, are, well, are fun. And it's nice that Jet Li at least seemed to be having fun with them. The, the, I think the problem with the last fight is that it's kind of underlit. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, again, the and there's problem, like some shitty CGI fire. Yeah. Um, another high point, and and we'll we'll sort of split hairs on this in a minute. But the other high point for me is the soundtrack. And but what I mean by that is the actual songs. So the Aaliyah songs, the DMX songs, the songs from the soundtrack that appear in the movie, uh, they're all pretty good. Two very minor but notable highlights in this film. Uh, one is that when Jet Li is told that his brother is dead, his reaction, like he's having lunch in prison, and his reaction is to just stare straight forward with a spoon in his hand quivering angrily. So the angry spoon quivering, I liked quite a bit. Uh, the second one is when uh, Mac literally tells Jet Li, sorry, Romeo, but you gotta die. <laughs> Which, it makes no sense for him to call him Romeo at that point. Uh, because the, his relationship with Aaliyah has been maybe a notch above platonic. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're they're literally just hanging out. Yeah, they're, they're um, just hanging out. But um, talking about that that scene where Jet Li is like really intense after his brother he finds out his brother died. Uh, all the acting in this movie is not bad. Um, I don't think anybody sticks out as like flat out terrible. Maybe DMX, but like, uh, you know. Jet Li's pretty good. Aaliyah is great. She could be oh, miked better. Aaliyah's really good, except for that scene. Like, she has, like, a really emotional scene about her brother that is not good and also not very well written. Yeah. That's but the one That's the know, one where she shows up in, in Poe's old apartment. How would she know where to go? Like, how would she know where that is? That's another one of those moments. But in, in any scene where she is, like, asked to be kind of, like, dryly funny... Where she's supposed to, like, you know, make a crack about Anthony Anderson. She's mm-hmm. great. And, like, instantly charming. Uh, she's really good. Delroy Lindo, we talked about being amazing in everything. And he is again here. Uh, the right-hand men, uh, Kai and Mac, are maybe played kind of mustache twirly. But they're fine. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean to be fair, to be fair to Aaliyah, like this was her first movie. Yeah, the guy so. who plays Colin is a little is maybe overacting a little, but he's not bad. Like I don't think anybody is out and out bad. Anthony no. Anderson is enjoyable. He's got some funny line deliveries. Yeah, it's, it's like everybody, everybody does a pretty solid job with the material. Hey, let's talk low points. Of Romeo Must Die. And let's start with this. I talked about the soundtrack. The soundtrack is good. The score is abysmal. Every time, like, music that is not a song, but is score, came into the movie, it sounded like the character select screen in a video, in a fighting video game. Yeah. If you... If you ever played uh, WrestleMania 2000 on N64, the SmackDown Mall music is in this movie. 100%. <laughs> yeah, there was one point where we were listening to like whatever bass-heavy score was happening, and we were just going, diggity dog, which is the character of select music from No Mercy. But yeah, it was either like WWE character select music from one of those games, or... Like, 
Marvel versus Capcom character select music. There's there's no piece of music in this movie that is as good as I want to take you for a ride. Yeah, I, I was just sitting there listening to the music and going like, choose quick to make your best pick. Because that's what it sounded like. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Also, it's, if if it did not come through enough already, the fucking plot of this movie is all over the map and does not need to be that way. Well, my again, my main complaint is that all the dumb plot shit, all the dumb business dealing stuff, all the family betrayal stuff detracts from what the movie ought to be about, which is a relationship forming between a son and a daughter from two different families that hate each other. Mm-hmm. And and then it turns out the families don't actually even hate each other at all. Yeah. Like, th- there's so much of this movie that, like, you can chop out at least a half an hour from this movie and lose nothing except a bunch of stuff that makes everything way more complicated. It's so like, overcomplicated. This movie, like, what you should have done is do a full rewrite on this movie to make it not that ridiculous. Like, the the... The football stuff is out of nowhere, and again, like at the end of this movie, the the deeds to those properties are are not present. Yeah, they they are not in the possession of anybody who can use them. They are gone. It's so baffling why they chose to make a movie about Delroy Lindo, businessman, instead of Jet Li and Aaliyah. Star-crossed lovers. They, they literally could have done a, like, Romeo and Juliet with Kung Fu. And it would have been better than this. But I guess I guess probably Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet uh, had come out pretty quickly. Uh, uh, pretty like, nearby I this. Think three or four years earlier. But, like, who cares? Like, adaptations of Shakespeare come out all the time. It doesn't matter. Like, it could, it would have been fine to do that. <laughs> I mean, it would have been like, but it's, it's, it's all over the fucking map. It's no good. Like the the fact that they didn't know what to do with Jet Li, they don't know what to do with the plot. Like, there's a lot of this movie that just doesn't seem like it knows what to do. It commits the cardinal sin in that a lot of scenes are boring. It's so boring, and it, like it's boring and complicated. Where there's a lot of people talking about land deals. And I gotta say, if you're a screenwriter, if you're an aspiring screenwriter, if you're a professional screenwriter, don't write a fucking movie about real estate anymore. Like, why Why are there three Superman movies about real estate? Uh, well, why is there outside, a Jet Li movie about real estate? Outside of the the noir genre, where I think one of the hallmarks is... The the plot in the background of the mystery is some mundane thing. Outside of that, try to avoid it. I would say, unless your movie involves the situation being resolved by breakdancing, do <laughs> not write about real estate. Okay, let's give our final thoughts about Romeo Must Die. Not not good. Not good. We watched this movie expecting 
a movie that would help us commemorate Valentine's Day. Instead, we got a movie that helped us commemorate the day that we're recording this, which is Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) You are correct, Matt. You are absolutely correct. This movie is as much about the NFL as it is about any of the characters or about love. That's a great and terrible sin. It's no the one. It's certainly no the one. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode of Movie Fighters. Thank you for listening. Happy Valentine's Day. Try to have a better one than Aaliyah and Jet Li did. In Romeo Must Die. We will be back in two weeks with the final installment of Rapper Slash Actor right back at you. Stay tuned for that. Our music is by Michael Kill. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. This has been a Kleitus Media production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Welcome to Sherwin-Williams. Hi there. I heard paints are 30% off. Yep, and stains too. Right here. Mm-hmm. Only at your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Right now? Well, August 29th through September 9th. Ah, bring it in. I'm a big hugger. It's cool. Ask Sherwin-Williams August 29th through September 9th and save 30% on paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94. Only at your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.